0: I take refuge in the Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma. I take refuge in Sangha. So I've been reflecting a lot since I left uh, monastic practice, uh, and more specifically in the last couple of weeks, just about the profound nature of zen practice or the zen teachings in particular there's just this very profound view that we're given right from the beginning about uh, the nature of reality the nature of uh, being itself awakened awakened reality and then also at the same time uh, zen can sound so practical right And so we have this view of deep interconnection, freedom, creativity, love, that I'll get into a little bit more. Um, But then we also have these straightforward, simple, practical teachings you'll hear. Um, People repeat Zen teachers saying, oh, what is the meaning of Zen? Oh, it's just chopping wood and carrying water. Or it's sitting long and getting tired. A teacher said that once at the end of a seshin, at, at the end of a retreat. What is the meaning of all of this? And the teacher says, it's just sitting long and getting tired. <laughs> oh, so inspiring. <laughs> and then there's also the, the adage, like eat when hungry is attributed to a Zen teacher, eat when hungry, sleep when tired. So these uh, seemingly simple encouragements, I think, you know i was reflecting on them can sometimes reveal how complicated our own minds and hearts are sometimes like when working just work what would that be like <laughs> imagine working free from anxiety of course it includes anxiety but what would it be like if we didn't have like so much attached to what we were doing Or often, you know, what happens is our minds are like four steps in front of us. Like our bodies are doing one thing and our minds are like four steps ahead or three steps behind, you know, thinking about, worrying about what's going to happen if I do this or what's going to happen later on tonight or what's going to happen in two years, five years, or, you know, ruminating about the past or kind of jumping back and forth, past, future, past, future, while our bodies are working, our bodies are washing dishes, while our bodies are walking down the street. And our minds are going analyzing, judging, worrying, thinking, thinking. (laughs) And so it's actually quite a challenge in our modern world to eat, to just eat or to just walk. It's another one, just walk, just sit, just eat. You hear those uh, sayings in Zen a lot. We often eat our worries and struggle to slow down and actually rest. Sleep when tired, oh, if it were only that easy. Or we can, I notice I do this, suppress hunger cues all day or mistake anxiety for true hunger. And we can forget what true nourishment even feels like and and then how to receive it. So those, those teachings that can seem so practical can also be so profound because this is an invitation to bring ourselves back to ourselves. Rediscovering who we are in in this moment, in this moment, if we give ourselves some space throughout the day to not be indulging those worries or those ruminations and just be awake through the senses, present. So one of the invitations of those seemingly simple teachings is, is an inquiry around, well, what, what brings you into presence? What has supported you in your life and letting you just be, or letting you be? <laughs> and we probably all have experiences throughout the day where we're simply experiencing life through the senses. We may not even register them, Sometimes we might, like, oh, wow, I was not worried <laughs> a few minutes ago, and now I am. Where did, how did that happen? I, just, I remember this, like, so strongly, this experience of going into the bathroom, a private stall bathroom, when I was living at the monastery, and having a thought, like, was fine, just, like, present had a thought about something that happened earlier that day. And then suddenly I was angry. I left the bathroom angry. (laughs) And does that happen? I mean, this happens all the time. I just caught it that time. Like, whoa, like nothing happened in the bathroom except for my mind thought a thought. And now suddenly I'm angry. And I'm like walking around kind of like, and the next person I run into, I'm like, around. So probably we all have experiences through the day where we're simply experiencing life through the senses. And as we practice, we, we can notice those. We can take refuge in those times. We can bring ourselves back to those times, times where the mind isn't so jumpy from past to future, past to future, times when we can simply be, be ourselves, and, and zazen, or, or meditation, we call meditation zazen in the Zen tradition, which means just sitting, <laughs> is a way of bringing body and mind back into attunement, very consciously coming back into attunement, where body and mind are doing the same thing. Or we can catch when mind starts doing something different. <laughs> and meditation, zazen is a way of being awake in our senses right in the moment as life rises up to meet us. And sometimes in the Zen tradition, you'll hear the the phrase you are you. Like it's it's a celebration this coming back to presence of of just being you, your unique self. You know, so many of the thoughts that really take us off track are, are thoughts about image, self-image. What is? What am I going to do with myself later? How are other people perceiving that action? This thing that I said, this thing that I did. There's lots of self-consciousness that, that actually occludes us from being ourselves from actually being like that experience of being ourselves which is the most intimate experience that we have and it's through that that we experience intimacy with with others with our lives with the world the people that we love with the pets that we love the places that we love But the the intimacy starts here and starts with that permission to be ourselves. And so that's a, a kind of awakening when we can, for the moments that we can, when we can just be ourselves awake through our senses in the unique way that we inhabit this body your body. And there's something really deeply profound about rediscovering who we are prior to our stories about ourselves, prior to our roles, the beliefs we've inherited, the narratives that we've put onto ourselves and our experience. know this alive moment as it's happening through you through the senses and it's through like I was saying like it's through this deep presence this deep embodiment when we are present and embodied we can begin to recognize the deep interconnection that we have with with all beings And this is where that profound view of Zen comes in. So if being yourself isn't a profound enough view, then it gets even more profound. (laughs) So in the Zen tradition, the teachings point to that all being is shared being. There's so much languaging we can use and 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 so much languaging that is used so much poetic languaging within the zen tradition itself that's that's pointing to this inconceivable knowing or inconceivable sharedness of being that we are so all being is shared being is one way i'm choosing to say it right now and all being is alive so this concept we have of ourselves is often limited by beliefs and habits. And the Zen tradition is saying like one first of all you're not l- limited by your beliefs and habits. And you can know yourself just as you are prior to those those views, those habits. And then you can also know yourself as interconnected, interbeing with every being. The awakened vision of the Buddha is that we are the entire cosmos. Buddha said, I together with all beings and the great earth. It's one way that he or they said it when they awoke on the day of their awakening. I, together with all beings in the great earth. Everything, everything that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch is us, is our life. That That one feels more palpable to me. Everything, everything that you experience through your senses, starting with your body, your thoughts, but then it extends out to this room, the room that you're in. All the faces on the computer, on your screen. everything you hear, everything you smell, that's your life your life isn't doesn't stop at your pinky finger or your big toe it doesn't stop at your back it doesn't stop with this thought it's everything that's coming through you is your life So anyone who walks into your life is your life. (laughs) Anything you see, anywhere you go, that's your life. And this life is shared with all those beings that you interact with. From the what we consider inanimate beings to the human beings in the more than human world. And so from that, it's like all of this is your life, and then, and then an addition to that is your life is sacred. All this is sacred. The cosmos is sacred. So in the Zen tradition, we're invited to try on this vision. It's not a belief, and you can use language that works for you, I chose the word sacred, I know that can ruffle maybe for you, like, oh, it's too religious sounding. So maybe you say, Oh, all beings are awake, all beings are alive. And and I'll go on to say, like the Zen tradition and these you know, these spiritual traditions that are opening us to a new vision. It's not gonna be comfortable. So there's also that. Right. Like, oh, sacred gets a little under your feathers or ruffles something. Um well try it on. It's not it's not like to take on as a new belief, but it's like try it on. What's it like to see life through that view? To see how would you treat your cup? if you felt like it was alive or an extension of your life and you felt like you were, your life was sacred how would you see your work your relationships if you, you saw the activity of your life as sacred or to see the activity of your housemates or your friends or your family as sacred like what you're doing right now that's sacred It's alive. It's like... Alive in the sense of like just emerging. Don't actually know exactly what it is. Organic has its own momentum. Its own beingness. So we're empowered. I I feel like it's an empowerment to see... To, to take up that view, to try on that view, and just be empowered by that view. Or not, you know, you could say, oh, that wasn't really empowering for me. And it's a view we can practice. So in the Tibetan Dzogchen tradition, they have a saying which I, I contemplate a lot. It's the view is the meditation, and the meditation is the conduct. And so like the view we take up in our practice, another way of saying this, the view that we take up in our practice, the vision that we hold of what we are doing shapes what the practice is. And so we can take up, and we do this, we take up various views. Like one view that we might take up is that the Dharma is medicine. And so we, we can begin to see like how practice is is healing or, or is medicine, how meditation is medicine, how any time that you orient towards the p- present moment is medicine, how not following certain thoughts that lead to suffering is medicine. So that's a view that you can, can take up. The, the, the Buddha said, you know, the Buddha often referred to themselves as, as a doctor, like a medicine of the Dharma. Buddha said something like, "I, I teach only one thing: uh, suffering and the relief of suffering." So that's a view that we could take up about practice, and maybe you do, maybe you already do. So the vision that we hold shapes the practice, and the in the Zen tradition, we actually are given lots of visions that we can take up, and that's part of. Um, the tradition of koan work. It's like sometimes seemingly contradictory visions were invited to take up. So one um, koan that plays like that is, take up the vision that uh, mind is Buddha, which is similar to what I was saying. Like everything that you see, hear, smell, taste, everything that arises in your mind, in your awareness, capital M mind, and anything that arises in your awareness is, is the Buddha, is awake in life is sacred and then same teacher later in life started saying well no mind no Buddha, people are getting too attached to like everything's sacred so he was like "Mm, there's also this other side that you can know of pure potential energy before anything takes form before there's a mind before there's this idea of Buddha there's just life as it is you don't even have to name it know that side too and once you start to make a religion out of that one we'll come back to mind as buddha (laughs) or something else and so that's you know that's part of the profundity of the zen tradition is there's many there's many views (laughs) there's a jewel of views And it can be confusing to try to take up all the views at once. And so that's how this whole koan tradition emerged. It was like, well, practice this view. You can practice this view of everything is sacred until you really know it in your bones. Until you trust it. And then take up another view. Or you can take it up for a week just as a practice and see how it affects your... Your, you know, daily life, your interactions with objects, with people, with your work. So I want to uh, read a koan that's kind of in this spirit, Mm -hmm. and then we can have a discussion. This is um, a koan tradition or a koan collection that was put together by John Dido Lori Roshi, who is the founder of. Yeah, sorry, it's called the True Dharma Eye. Is the founder of um, the Mountains and Rivers Orders and Mountain Monastery, uh, and this is a, the collection of koans that Dogen Zenji um, put together, and he's uh, Daido Lori Roshi is commenting on them. So this is um, 16. Chongsa says "Returning to mountains, rivers, and the great Earth." So the Zen teacher, Chongsa, was once asked by a student, "How do you turn the mountains, rivers and great earth and return to the self?" So it's a teaching that you hear in Zen um, of returning to the self. And it has a lot to do with what I was talking about earlier of like allowing yourself just to be yourself. But this, this person is kind of complicating it. Like how do you, he's kind of making it sound like you turn away from the material world and you come back to this, this self, this self. And that's where awakening is, maybe. He's thinking maybe. And Changsa answered, in a question, which Zen teachers often do, how do you turn the self and return to the mountains, rivers, and the great earth? And so you can hear that in in many different veins. And of course, we are encouraged to take up um, all all the different sides of that. But you can hear that as, how do you see that you aren't separate from this earth, the mountains and the rivers. How do you turn the self around that's always looking for answers and its own busy mind? And listen to the rain. <laughs> it's raining here, it's a really beautiful sound or open to the teachings of the earth. Or see that we're all made of the same stuff. Or see that all this 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 ground that you're walking on is sacred. So Dido Lori says responding to the myriad things from the perspective of the self is delusion. Manifesting the self from the perspective of the myriad things is enlightenment. From ancient times to the present, people have regarded the myriad things as separate from themselves, not realizing that the universe is the body of the Buddha, this very body and mind itself. And not this like, body and mind out there some buddha body and minds but but when they say this very body and mind they're pointing to our each of us our body and mind is the body of the buddha and everything that we see hear smell taste the earth itself it's the body of the buddha and then he asks us this is really beautiful what do you see when you behold the mountain That's another entrance in. What do you see when you behold the mountain? Can you also see the real form of truth in that mountain? What do you hear when you listen to the river sounds? Can you hear the subtle teachings of the rock and water? Are are you trapped in some superficiality of labels, of thoughts about the river, about the mountain. Mountains, rivers, and the great earth are ceaselessly manifesting the teachings. Yet they are not heard with the ear or seen with the eye. They are only perceived with the whole body and mind invitation into deep intimacy. Be that as it may, how do you turn the self and return to the mountains, rivers and the great earth? What is it that you are calling mountains, rivers and the great earth? Indeed, where do you find yourself?